0: Any other 4th through 5th graders, this is great. Alright, I want you all to stand. These kids, not you guys, you're good. Alright, give them a welcome to adult church. Here we go, from the kids okay. Now, I'm going to separate the guys. i got the guys sort of separated here, through here, over here. And, I mean, they do a lot of cool songs. But I heard, I heard, I don't know if it was Frank or whoever, I heard... That they chose to start doing an old, old song that many of you know. All right? And if you don't know this, it means you didn't grow up in church in a Sunday school, right? So, all right, everybody sit back down. And I got some helpers here with me. I got Louise with me, and I got Katie with me. And we are going to do Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Praise ye the Lord. You got that? So, now let's let them do it. Girls, you're going to do the Hallelujah part, right? How to lose. Guys, what are we doing? Praise you the Lord. And what do you do when you sing it? You stand up, right? All right, so you dialed in here. Ladies, you're good. Guys, come on. Let's come through with it. Ready? So here we go. One, two, three. Great. Now, I don't know if they taught you this. Today we're talking about global missions and God's heart for the world. And a verse in the scriptures that says, To prepare ye the way of the Lord. I fully believe you may sing that song in heaven. Why? Because there is one word in all languages that's the same. Hallelujah. And hallelujah is an exclamation of praise the Lord. All right? So when you stand and you sing hallelujah, 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 you're saying praise you the Lord just like we did in our worship song. Everybody in the presence of the Lord exalting him. And then you guys with the refrain, praise ye the Lord. So praise ye the Lord is really the same thing as hallelujah. Now, do you think the adults could get into this? Yeah. Now, if you're new today, you're like, this is a really wacky church. <laughs> no, this is, this is what we do for fun around here, all right? So we only get to do family worship day on the fifth Sunday. And that's what, like four times a year, all right? So here we go. Adults, ladies. We'll have the ladies come and lead you here. You turn around. You're going to lead everybody here, okay? So the ladies, you're standing the scene. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And then guys, I don't want you sitting on your seats, okay? Get up. No, you can't come up front. I just want you to shout. And this needs to be at some high volume here. This isn't like, you know, okay. All right, so here we go. All right, you guys lead it off. You guys lead it off. Ladies, ladies, ladies. All right, you guys stay right here. That got your exercise going? Get your heart going there a little bit? I saw Bob back here. Bob, you'll recover afterwards, man. You're good, man. All right. A little bit of motion activity. Praise the Lord. Prepare you the way, Lord. We're going to talk about that. I would like to do something with the kids. though. I'm actually going to have fourth and fifth graders. How many of you have? All right. I want you to come and stand like right up here. Can you stand right up here? And I want the rest of you kids down here. I'll pack it in here a little bit. All right. All right. We're down. You're down over here on that step right there. That's good? Right there? All right. Now, how many of you, are you, you do trick-or-treat or not? A few of you? A few of you? Well, I tell you what. My wife said something in an email this week, so I, I had to bring treats. All right? Now, I want you to be mindful. Calm down. Got it? Calm down. This is when I get in trouble with your parents, because when you go back to your seats, not only do you have the white marker boards, remember you guys got the white marker boards? That's not just for doodling. Some of the parents want to know. You're supposed to draw something from today's service, right, that you remember? And so you can maybe draw a piece of candy or something. All right, so this is what I'm going to do. I want you to uh, take a piece of candy. Just take one. Just grab one, man. It's going to move. All right? Just grab one. Don't be picky, really. You're good? All right. Now, you're going to get a bunch more probably if you're going to go out tomorrow night or whatever, so it's not that big of a deal. You good? You good? All right. Back here. Back here. We got something. Just grab something. You're good. I got you. You're good. You got something right there? Just grab something. Okay. Now, we... Oh, Now, one of the important things is that we understand that there's a lot of people in the world, right? And like 7 billion people are in the world. That's a lot of people. And there's people from every type of nationality, color, ethnicity, even socioeconomic groups. And a lot of times when we look around the world, we don't really particularly identify different kinds of people and different kinds of groups of people. But this is a people group. You guys want another piece of candy?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Here you go. Yeah, I'm just it, handing it out there. You're good. All right. All right, so we're going to... You want another piece of candy? Here we go. All right. Now, what we have here... There, you guys are great. Have a seat. Have a seat. So, now listen. I think I might just be using this. I don't know. So, now when we when we talk about here you go when we talk about people groups, it's really important for us to remember there's like 7, 9,700 different kinds of people groups in the world, and um, the, each of those people groups have their own connectedness or not to the gospel. You guys all right? You want another piece of can?
1: Here. Yeah. Here you go.
0: And these people groups around the world, some of them have the opportunity. hearing. Some of them have the opportunity. Good, good. I, am, I, am I your favorite pastor? What do you think? Huh? Yeah. Well, there's 1,600 different kinds of people groups. If you count them in the different kinds of parts of the uh, countries of the world, there's really about 9,700 altogether just by individual groups. But... 46, 4,300 of them, all right, are what they call unreached people groups. You guys still good? All right, here, i tell you what. Why don't you guys just go sit down? Here, just go ahead, go ahead, go ahead and sit down. GJ, what
1: are you doing up there? How long have you been up there?
0: GJ, you can come to my house tomorrow night. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out.
1: We'll out. Alright. What's the matter? We didn't get any
0: You didn't get any? No. And you missed
1: me. Now
0: Did I say I would give you guys candy? I doesn't really seem fair, does it? No. They've got multiple pieces of candy and you have none. They have ten. Some of them, I think, they do have ten. But you know what? There's something far better than candy. And it's called the good news of Jesus Christ. And knowing about Jesus and worshiping Jesus. But you know what happens in our world? We keep giving candy over and over again to everybody who maybe has already had the opportunity to hear the good news. But it's said a quarter to one-third of the unreached people people groups are unreached, limited or no access to the gospel. And they don't get what we get. I promise you, we need to get you candy.
1: Yay! Yay!
0: But how do we get you candy? By
1: you
0: a Somebody's got to come and give you the candy, right? Yeah. And the person who comes and gives <laughs> treats, I know it may sound cheesy, but the person who is adamant about reaching out To those who have never had the opportunity, no, no, just you're good. Your mom would be embarrassed about that. I tell you what, we're going to close up and you can get some. There's people who have chosen with their life to make sure this group gets to hear the good news. Watch this video.
2: Jesus told us 2,000 years ago that our mission is to go and make disciples of all nations. He also promised us that only after we accomplish that task will we receive the blessing of his return. So, how are we doing accomplishing our mission? To answer that, let's classify the 7 billion people on the earth today into three groups. Let's start with the Christians. About 33% of the world's population would identify itself as Christian. We call this segment of the population, World C, C for Christian. It's important to remember that not all of the people that fall into World C are true believers in Christ. They merely identify themselves as Christian because of nominal belief in Jesus or because they live in a country where everyone is considered Christian, so they would do the same. Next, there's the 38% of the world that has access to the gospel but has chosen not to follow Jesus. They have Bibles in their language, churches nearby, friends or co-workers who are potentially christians or access to other christian resources in their language these people have access to the good news but just haven't acted on it yet this segment of the population is called world b that leaves us with 29 percent of the world just over one out of every four people on this planet who not only have never heard of jesus they have no chance of hearing the good news of jesus christ they have no access to the gospel, no Bibles, no churches, no believers nearby, no chance to learn about Jesus. We call that 29% World A. Now, on to missionaries. Only one out of every 1,800 Christians in World C decides to serve as a cross-cultural missionary. So, we can pull 400,000 missionaries out of that World C population. That's our total cross-cultural missionary force worldwide. Did you know that 72% of all our missionaries are going to World C? That's right! The vast majority of the missionaries being sent out are going to the people of the world that have Bibles and established churches. 25% of the missionaries are sent to World B, where there is already some access to the church and to the Bible. That leaves only 3% of the total missionary force to handle all of World A, the section of the population without any chance of hearing about Jesus. 29% of the world has no way to hear the gospel, but we're sending only a tiny portion of our Christian workers to them. What about finances? Annually, all those Christians in World C earn a total of $42 trillion. And, together, they give about $700 billion to Christian causes each year. That includes everything. Christian nonprofits, churches, youth programs, missions, etc. Can you do the math? Less than 2% of Christian income is being given to Christ's causes. Out of that 700 billion given to all Christian causes, only 45 billion is given to missions specifically. That's a little over 6% in fact, there is more money reported embezzled from the church each year than is given to missions. Remember those 400,000 missionaries? We have 45 billion dollars to support them and their cross-cultural work. But how exactly is it allocated? Well, billion goes to World C every year. Yep, 87% of that mission's money is being spent in areas of the world that have Bibles and churches available. 5.4 billion, or 12%, goes to World B each year, those that have access to the gospel message but have rejected it. That leaves only $450 million, or 1% of all mission's money, going to World A, the least reached people of the world. To put that into perspective, annually Americans spend more money on Halloween costumes for their pets than get sent to World A. To summarize, only 3% of our missionary force, armed with only 1% of missions giving, is going out to reach the 2 billion people who don't have access to the gospel. 2 billion people are still waiting for the good news of Jesus Christ. So here's a question for you. What are you going to do to change that?
0: That's uh, quite an incredible uh, quick statistic overlook, isn't it? Now, there's nothing wrong with all of God's workers, missionaries, and otherwise, and national leaders laboring in what was split into that pie in areas C and B. But what about area A? Area A where people don't have accessibility to the good news. In fact, I was. I was just thinking here during worship when we were singing that song, about exalting Him and so great to be in His presence and no other. And knowing that this video is coming and thinking in terms of being there in the analogy with the children and the kids who got the candy and who didn't get the candy. How many? How many did it say? They said 29% have never heard of Jesus. 29% wouldn't be dialed in to the song we just sang before we stepped in to turn a great time. Should we be bothered by that? Now here's the thing. I grew up in a church. It was a Christian Missionary Alliance church. And I was just like one of these little kids and the missionary would come and we would see slides and we would hear stories. And I remember the missionary weeks, the global emphasis weeks. And it was like, watch out. I'm going to get hit that I need to be doing something and I should consider becoming a missionary. Now, all well and good, but I'm not here to say that you need to do something. I'm here to tell you that God is doing something and if you would like to participate in what God's doing, you're going to have a thrill of a ride your whole life. Because God is not sweating it out, that we're not going to come through. But God is concerned that we are going to miss out on what He is doing. And that's what we're going to be looking at. I'm thankful that we are a part of a missionary movement called the Christian Missionary Alliance whose focus goes towards what we refer to as those with the low access or the no access. In fact, missionary workers, international workers, are retrained to be redeployed into those parts of the world that are the 29%, if you will. And that's exciting to me. I've had the opportunity to go to some of those places, and, and maybe you have too, where there really isn't a lot of access to the gospel. And when you see a small group of people, this would be like a huge, huge church in so many countries. And if there were this many people gathering in some countries in the name of Jesus Christ, you might be fearful what's on the other side of the black blinds because you're not allowed to have that type of total freedom to do that. But we are blessed. We're going to see whether we're blessed to be a a blessing. And one of the blessings we want to have focus on is being able to give all people access to the gospel. And some of you have been working on this because every now and then we will give the opportunity to focus on global missions. You'd be able to pray for the different people groups. Some of the people groups that I mentioned, you can identify them into certain categories. This is a prayer card. You can break these up into eight individual cards. These are out in our global missions rack. Some of you pray with these. Some of these will be used on Saturday night, most likely when we have a prayer time together. I think it's exciting because one of the people groups that's mentioned on here is the Mediterranean group. The Mediterranean group is the Arab, North Africa, Dysphoria, the Middle East, All right? The refuge is for you. And what happens after this service every Sunday morning now at 12 o'clock? There are people from that area that gather to be able to be in the presence of hearing God. The Arabic ministry church is meeting here. Good shepherd. In fact, I walked in the other day, and some of you maybe have greeted him if you hung around long enough. I walked over here, and there was a young adult man, sharp-looking young man. I greeted him, said, hi, those kinds of things. I said, where are you from? He said, Bethlehem. I said, like, Bethlehem, Bethlehem? He says, yeah, Bethlehem is my home. My dad moved here a couple of years, three years ago. I didn't really want to move. But uh, he says, I want to worship God, and I want to lead worship and have a heart for Jesus. I said, what's your background? He says, I'm Palestinian. A Palestinian person from Bethlehem worshiping in our church. God's not only taking us places, he's bringing people. People groups, we need to be praying for them. The unreached people groups, we need to be focusing on But what I'd like us to do is to look at a passage of Scripture, and this passage is in Luke chapter 3. And in Luke chapter 3, we have these words. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into all the country around Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation." Now, here's the truth of the matter. What are you going to do about it? Well, we need to open our hearts up to what God's doing. Because it says all people might see God's salvation. All people will see God's salvation. God is in control. He is the one who's determined that everybody everywhere, every language, every nation, every people group, those who have received and those who haven't received, everyone is going to have the opportunity to hear the good news. And he is on the move to be able to see that happen. Now, this phrase, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for Him. I want to dial in to the aspect of prepare the way for the Lord. And a guy by the name of Tim Crouch, who is Vice President of International Ministries for the Christian Missionary Alliance, has avidly sort of framed some of this up in my thoughts today. And I had never really thought about taking that text and using it For global missions. I always thought of prepare you the way of the Lord. That's what John the Baptist did, right? When he showed up on the scene before Jesus came, he proclaimed in the wilderness, make way for the Lord. And that's how I've always associated it. But guess what? John the Baptist was a missionary. He was a worker who was making sure that people would be able to see the one who said he was the way and the truth and the life. But this aspect to prepare the way of the Lord, uh, make straight paths for him, let's look at it this way. The whole aspect of the person, the personhood behind this, God is the way maker. He's the way maker fulfilling his promises in the wilderness of today's world. Had a good talk last week talking about, you know, our nation under attack and those kinds of things and all the crazy stuff you see happening and more crazy stuff happened this week, right? And you start to think, oh my goodness, what's the world coming to? What's our nation coming to? There was an earthquake in Italy. Was it yesterday? 6.6. You continue to see natural disasters. You see other kinds of terrorist stuff. You see all kinds of crazy stuff happening in the world. And you might think to yourself, oh my goodness, is God in trouble? Is he losing control? No, he's not. Because God is the way maker and his plans are at work. And he promises in the wilderness of today's world to make the paths straight. The world's craziness is not a barrier, but a means to God's purposes. And he is actively assuming, he assumes the success of his purposes. He is the one in charge. What are you going to do about it? What's he doing about it? And we participate in what he's doing. God is not calling us to do something for him, but to come and do something with him. And that's a little bit different twist than what I was taught growing up. Kids that are in here, you guys know each and every week, and and Debbie Gibler there in the back helped lead you in elementary as well as Frank and some others here. You are actively taught week in and week out in the building next door. What is God doing? How do I listen to God? How do I experience God? That is so critical because God is the one who is at work. We need to dig in our ears, open up our palms, take initiative with our feet, And get the action going, because He already has action going. He is not calling us to do something for Him, to bail us out, reach the people. He's calling us to come do something with Him, because He's already going in advance, reaching people from all parts of the world. God is the way maker. But as the way maker, He sent His Son, Jesus. Jesus truly is the way, as it says in John 14:6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Maybe you're in here this morning and you've never had the opportunity to check church out for a while. You're sort of waffling as to where spiritual life is. That verse right there is critical for you. You can search all around all kinds of spiritualities, religions, whatever. It comes right back to this is true truth. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, no one comes to the Father into his heaven or into eternity or into an intimate, powerful, meaningful relationship with him in this life except through choosing to be a follower of Jesus. You can go to the bank on that. Remember a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago now, we talked about being a people of the way. The people of the way were defined as
1: individuals. You're
3: good. There are some who say that to be a Kosovar is to be a Muslim. But I never felt that was true for me. I remember my senior year of high school, there was this girl, a Christian. She spoke openly with me and told me about her faith. I was interested as I didn't really know a lot about Christians. I defended her when other students would persecute her. One day she gave me a New Testament. I kept it hidden in this little room at the back of our house. I would sneak out by myself to read. I had never heard anything like this before. A short time later, war came to our village and we were forced to flee. When we returned, I found my Bible had been torn to shreds. Our property was burned to the ground. I didn't know how to pray, but I remember reading about this God who loves. I cried out for him to save my village. In 2008 Kosovo gained independence. Very soon after, radical Islamists started coming to try and influence our people. One local Imam demanded that parents send their children for religious education in the mosque. Some of these leaders in the mosque were recruiting children to fight for ISIS. I would rather die than see my children come to this fate. Like many in Kosovo, I wanted nothing to do with Islam. I had to find something different. I remember the stories I had read about Jesus and decided that this might be the answer for me. I did some research and found the address of a pastor in the capital. The night before our meeting, I had a dream about him. When I saw him face to face, he was as I saw him in my dream. For us, it was a uh, very surprise, because usually we don't have people that comes and say, OK, I need Jesus. We are begging people. This is the Bible. This is the Jesus. This is the salvation. As he shared with me from God's word, I knew it was true. After all these years, I knew I had finally found my true identity. I went home and shared everything with Valdete.
1: He was convinced that as a family
2: we should follow Jesus, but I wanted to decide for myself.
1: That night I picked up the Bible Pastor Femi gave him and started reading in Matthew. I read until 2 in the morning. I was convinced this was
2: true. I decided in that moment that I also would follow
3: Jesus. I asked if a group could come from the church to share more about Jesus. A large group gathered in our garage and listened intently. There were many questions as nobody had ever read the Bible. At the end of our time, 27 decided to follow Jesus. One day, one church has been born in our nation. It was never happened last 400 years in Gustav. I felt my heart growing and growing. I thought it would explode. If I could have gathered 2,000 with me that day, I would have. The Baptism service was very emotional for me.
1: It was raining until just before the Baptism. There was a rainbow
2: and then the sky cleared. This was a sign that God was with us. When I came up out of the water, I felt a new
1: freedom. Word spreads quickly.
3: People are curious. I have shared with groups in seven other villages, and many have been baptized just a few days ago I met with another large group they have never had an opportunity to hear God's word like this I think it's only a matter of time before they are following him too we
2: are seeing people experience uh, visions and dreams God is beginning to disciple people on his own when we see God on the move we're compelled to join him in what he is doing really God is in control of
3: everything he allowed crisis Diseases, sometimes wars, conflicts. So many people seek God. We feel blessed to be the first believers in this village to plant a church. I want to ask you to pray for our faith to grow. Already some have tried to intimidate us, to make us leave our faith or run us out of town. But with God beside us, we aren't turning back.
0: about you, but when you see a picture of a new church of Jesus followers, born in the middle of a village that had no vibrant witness for Jesus, Kosovo's in the Balkan states, Bosnia's, uh, Croatia, the former Yugoslavia. Passive kind of Islam but as mentioned. There's radicals that come in when the downfall of the communist government Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is at work. God is the way maker. He's he's calling us to participate in what He is doing. And if you want to see your life turned upside down and rocked for God, get into the stream of what God's doing. Not just here, but around the world. Not only is there the person... But there's also the purpose then that comes for you and for me. We are to be way makers, not just way receivers. You see, the better analogy maybe for the kids that got all the candy was they were the candy receivers, right? But they need to be the candy givers or the makers for the others. It's mobilizing those of us who have received of the way, the truth, and the life who are part of the people on the way that we then turn around and give our lives back to God to be used by Him in global dimensions as well as local dimensions to prepare the way for the Lord for those who would go. I had the opportunity several years ago. actually in the year 2000 when the Christian Missionary Alliance first moved into the Balkan states. Me and another pastor friend of mine, we took a vision trip and we went to Bosnia, Herzegovina. And as we traveled from village to village, you're like, well, where's the churches? There are none. Well, where's the Bible studies? There are none in this village. But then you would go to a couple places where they'd been at work and you saw the church growing, and the evangelical church of Bosnia is, is gradually growing and becoming vibrant today. And we actually sent a missionary out from the church that I was pastoring. Our first missionary that we sent out with the Christian Missionary Alliance went to Bosnia, Petula Myers. And she's there serving today, Petula is, in that country. A heart, a passion. And if I brought Petula up here on stage, she wouldn't stop talking because she would tell you the difference it is from going to be a way receiver to being a way maker to finding purpose in your life. Way makers, they they are transformed kind of people. They're awakened to the deeper reality of what God is doing in the real world behind the natural world and the world events. In other words, their eyes are opened. And when you see all the trauma and the episodes of of war and culture happening, you have to open your eyes and ask yourself, what's God doing? Is he at work here? One of the first things I try to do whenever I get frustrated, is like, oh, really, is that happening in that part of the country? As I pray, God, if if you have your vibrant way givers, way makers there, Missionaries, national leaders, may you strengthen them and empower them in this time of crisis to meet the needs of people. If you see a tsunami hit somewhere, an earthquake hit somewhere, you know what you need to be praying for? Pray for the people that have the needs and the brokenness or have lost things, but pray for the people who are ministering to those people, not just ministering with gifts of mercy, but ministering the truth and proclaiming the truth that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And God's working behind the scenes. And someone who is a way maker has their eyes opened and transformed. So begin to keep rereading the news in different ways to say, What's God up to? How can God work in this? Not that God's causing the natural disasters, that God brings about traumatic, violent kind of events in life, but He's able to work in the midst. Why? Because He's in control. And He's gonna make sure that all people are able to receive salvation. A Waymaker is a transformed person, is awakened. By the indwelling Spirit who works to bring salvation to all people. Now, catch this. If you claim to be a Christ follower this morning, who dwells within you? Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus dwells within you. Jesus said, I've not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life away as a ransom. For many. Jesus is the one who is declared, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus, dwells within you and I if we're a follower of Jesus. If we're not a follower of Jesus or a pre-follower, that's what happens. Jesus Himself comes and dwells within us. Now, if the Jesus that exists dwells within us, and the Jesus that exists has a heart for the world, then would it not make sense that if you are to be a vibrant Christian and let the Spirit of Jesus flow through your life, you would have a compassion and a heart for the world? Or would you just sort of stay myopic because your life's pretty full and busy and a lot of crazy things are happening in your own little world and we really don't have a lot of margin to pick up a burden for other people in other places? Well, you will stunt your growth as a Christian If you do, this is a bold statement, you will stunt your growth as a Christian if you do not move towards being a world Christian, somebody who has a heart for the nations. Just like you have a body, and say you have appendages, and you need to exercise them, your arms, your legs. But if you did not exercise them, if if you just laid around, didn't use your arms, didn't use your legs, what would start to happen? They would atrophy, right? They would start to disintegrate. So also as a Christian, if the Spirit dwells within you that's pulsating to have a heart for the nations, whether it's to pray for them or to give to them or to be able to consider going for them, if you're not opening yourself up to having a heart for all people and be transformed that way, you're going to go into atrophy and atrophy and, and, and you'll lose that. Why is it that if you cut a Christian today, they don't bleed for the world? Well, maybe because we failed to realize that the Jesus that dwells within us is the one who gave His life for all people, for all people. You're a transformed person if you're a waymaker. The indwelling Holy Spirit will bring salvation to all people, and that Spirit dwells within you. Waymakers, not just way receivers, they see God's way in the world more than they see obstacles. They see God's pe- they see people more than they see the problems. They see that threats are sometimes opportunities. And they see with God's eyes. They serve with God's hands. And they are moved to love rather than moved to fear. This goes a little bit back to last week. I see a lot of fear sometimes in our world. What's God doing? You have to choose to look at people you might be fearful of. Or situations you might be fearful to walk into and say, can I have a love for those people? Maybe it's not around the world. Maybe it's, it's across the workplace. Maybe it's in the next cubby or maybe it's in, in the next corner of the school. God wants you to participate with his heart to love all people. And you will find your purpose in that. Waymakers not only transform people, they are way proclaimers. Way proclaimers, you proclaim Christ as alive. And that way is good and God can reduce the mountains and lift people from the valleys, as the Scripture said, in order to make the way straight for life and for purpose. What's our mission statement say? Fully alive in Christ and to His mission. We are proclaimers of that. We are demonstrators and we are proclaimers of it. Some of you may have recalled me mentioning that a few years ago, Five years ago, I had the opportunity to go back to India. I've been to India a few times. India has, do you know how many people India now has? 1.2 billion people. Out of the 7 billion people on this planet, 1.2 are in India. There's 29 states, 7 other kinds of territories. I had the opportunity to go to many different places in India, and uh, it's overwhelming to me. There's a lot of people in India. Maybe some of you have been there. Maybe some of you are Indian in your background. I don't know this morning. There's a place in the northwest northeast corner called Bihar. It's a state with about 100 million people. Just just one little state has 100 million people. In Bihar, actually Buddhism was born out of Bihar. And we flew in to Patna, which is the capital of that city. And I didn't know what we were doing. I had gone with uh, an Indian friend, and he said, you need to come and see this. Uh, I went with some other fellow friends of mine, and we flew into Bihar. We got in a vehicle, and as typical, it is so much in rural areas, even though there's masses in the city. And we traveled for two hours over bumpy roads, and we ended up at this village. And I'm like, well, what are we going to this village for? I knew we had some purpose there. This guy was heading up a ministry called True Seekers. He was one who wanted to go to those who did not have any access to the gospel. Unreached people groups. People I had prayed for my whole life as a believer saying, oh God, may you reach those who have never heard. I was physically going there. And we went there. And they were all gathered in mass underneath this tent on a really hot day. That's Sunil, my friend. And Sunil sat us up there on the stage. And I sat there on the stage and I looked out at the masses of people and I thought for the first time, I am looking into the eyes of people who have never heard the name of Jesus. Have you? They were gathered. The kids bunkered down in close. Just like we brought up the kids here. They send the kids up front. They gathered in. They looked upon us. Different things were going to be happening and different uh, kinds of uh, leadership were uh, present. And I would just sit there on the stage and i look into their eyes and I thought to myself, have they heard? Do they know? What a great opportunity we have to be a way maker today. I've been a way receiver. I get to be a way maker. And we began to teach and uh, they had some performances as well that went on. But you can't not be endeared to the eyes of a mass of young kids like that and the older parents around back. And as I looked on, I said, God, what am I going to say when they say, hey, pastor from America, come here and share some words with us, right? Well, before I had the opportunity to do that, we did what was called a foot-washing ceremony. Now, this was significant because people... In that particular village would have seen Westerners as somebody that, you know, hey, they're well off, they're untouchable kind of thing. And here we turned the tables around, and we chose to wash their feet. Why? Because Jesus did that. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. God himself humbled himself, came, and we washed their feet in a foot-washing ceremony. That was uncomfortable for me. You just need to know that. Not only is foot-washing uncomfortable, but washing the feet of people so broken. It broke me. I stood up and I shared a few words. I have no idea what I shared other than trying to get Jesus communicated that He is the way and the truth and the life. Afterwards, the gentleman that brought the group of us there, he was a stonecutter. His name was Vijay. And he wanted to give us one of his works. Out in the middle of nowhere, this was VJ's work. What is it? It's a foot washing statue. This sits in my office as a reminder of how God moved in my heart when I was in Bihar, India five years ago. And I remember communicating with my mother afterwards. I said, Mom, I went to see some people you prayed for your whole life who have never heard the name of Jesus. Individuals, one by one, this little guy standing up, that picture is embedded in my mind. Why do you think he was standing? I don't know. Maybe just to see better, or maybe God has his hand on that little guy. He wants to use that guy to be like the stone gutter who brought us there to go to the next village and the next village, just like God took that guy in the village in Kosovo and brought a dream to him about a pastor who could help him out and take people back to his village. God's on the move. God's at work. God's the way maker. We just participate in what he's doing. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, that little guy was the whole reason that we were there for. The girls performed. The other kids Mischievous or not, looking on a village full of life, but a village that could even be fuller of life with Christ in the middle of it. I like the old guy behind the tree there. What do you think? Think he's ever heard about Jesus Christ? Does it really matter? Should we care? It's not a guilt trip, it's an exhortation for us to participate with what God's doing because He chooses to use us to be the waymaker. There's the promise that comes from this passage as well. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low, the crooked shall become straight, the rough ways smooth. God's working that all people will see God's salvation. In Genesis 12:2, there's the book in promises of Genesis and Revelation, the beginning of the Bible, the end of the Bible. God says this to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I'm the way maker. You're to be a way maker because you're a way receiver. You are blessed to be a blessing. And to be a blessing is more than just being nice to people. It's actively engaging in what God's doing to take his name around the world. Then you go to the other book in Revelation 7, verse 9. There before me, John, Saul, was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's God's deal. You can go your merry way. You can going to be and not use the passion God wants to call in your heart. Why are world events so intriguing to us? Could it be that the Spirit dwells within us and He's at work there? Not maybe to complain, but to do something about it. God wants you to participate with Him, to prepare the way for the Lord. You know, this whole verse about making the mountains low, and raising up straight and rough ways. God's at work not just leveling things for roads to go around the world, but maybe things like the the cyber roads, the internets, other ways that the gospel gets communicated out there. I know a pastor that retired, and he retired at a young age. He went and worked in a high school as a janitor, but he is thoroughly engaged in world missions through the internet, communicating, discipling people online. And that's his calling. He writes, he disperses, he engages... I'm like, well, shouldn't you pastor a church? He says, well, God's worked it out for me to do this. What are some of the inroads that God's calling you and I to be involved in to be a way maker? You can learn. That's why we take a weekend like this and we bring in Martin Chaya next week for him to share with us how he's reaching Muslims in Europe. Learn. Be active in it. There's opportunity for you, if you want, that you can... Let's sign up for free. How many things do you get for free? This is the Alliance Life magazine. It talks about the missionaries and the hearts of what God's doing in the world and the Christian Alliance. You just write Alliance Life on the back of your connection card. I'll make sure you get this magazine for free. Or you can go online and the website's there on the back of your program this morning. And there's always updates, prayer requests. You can pull those off there. Learn. Pray. Pray for the nations. Pray for people groups. Give. You can actively give to support the 70 different countries that the 700 missionaries of the Alliance are involved in. On the back of your seat backs, it's what's called a faith promise card. I'm going to leave those for for a few weeks. If you desire to be able to give on a more planned kind of manner to global missions and what God's doing. And you can prepare to go. This is not just a little kid thing or a teenager thing. Do you know that some people are retiring early in life and they are doing that? last career thing of going as missionaries. Maybe God's calling you to go. And maybe it's not overseas. Maybe it's to reach the people that God's bringing here. You're called to be a way maker, not just a way receiver. Will you pray with me? Lord, as we close here this morning, I just ask that you would take both today and next week, even a Saturday night, next Sunday night. And You would allow us to be a church that can be moved by Your Spirit that dwells within us. May we not shut it down. May we not be myopic. May we not merely be concerned with reaching this valley for You, Lord. But may we have a heart to reach the nations. And may we exercise that heart by learning, by praying, by giving, Sacrificially tithes and offerings to be able to send and support missionaries. Lord, may we open our lives to consider if we're to go and to ever be one of those who would reach those who have not heard. So, Lord, may your spirit work in us as a people. And may your spirit seal anything that's spoken to anybody here today. For indeed, you are a great and an awesome God. And we close by worshiping you, a privilege that we've been blessed with. Lord, may we choose to take the blessing and bless others in your name. So we close with this hymn. The ushers are going to come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. As mentioned, you can always designate a gift to Global Missions, also your connection cards. But let's sing this in closing with Joe.